Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Brother Tolstead, I'm not the preacher tonight. I, no, I'm not going to go ahead. You're going to go ahead. Hallelujah. We want you to come. We love you. I want you to take your liberty tonight. Amen. Tell us what the Lord has put on your heart. God bless you. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord again tonight. <clears throat> Amen. To feel the special touch of the Lord that we feel again. I don't ever want to take for granted, amen, any time that I can be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. It's easy to do. We're in church enough that it becomes, it becomes normal. It becomes just what it is. We go to church on certain days and we're there and it, it just becomes part of the normal routine. Amen. But somewhere in that normal routine, we got to remember that we are in the presence of an almighty God. Amen. And we are honored to be in His presence. It's a privilege to be in His presence. It's a privilege we don't deserve to be in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I'm thankful to be here tonight. Amen. Thankful to be in His presence one more time. Amen. I do want to give honor to Brother and Sister Riggin. Amen. So thankful for them in our lives. We love and appreciate them dearly. Amen. For all they have done with us through the years. And honestly, when I called you, I didn't mean to preach this week, and I wasn't asking that for real. Amen. I just wanted to get away for a couple days and clear my head. Amen. But we're thankful to be here tonight. Amen. It's good to be with Brother Mays again. Amen. We appreciate them very much. My good friend, Pastor Hilton. Amen. Thank God for friends. Amen. The longer you live, and I've lived a whopping 42 years, almost 43. Amen. You learn who your real friends are. Amen. I'm thankful for true friends. Praise God. If you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 15. Amen. Brother Hilton stomped all over me today, but we're going to go ahead and preach what I feel. Amen. In Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. Amen. A familiar story. Amen. Y'all know me by now. I'm basic. Praise God going to preach nothing deep tonight just what I have on my heart <clears throat> Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11 and he said a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that falleth to me and he divided unto them his living and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country there wasted his substance with riotous living when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He came to himself. Praise God. For a little bit tonight, I want to preach the subject, action required. Action required. Amen. Can you lift your hands? Ask the Lord just to have his way the remainder of this service. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your touch. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, God, that we feel in this place tonight, Lord. And we're asking, God, that you would have your way through the remainder of this service. God, help us tonight. 
Lord, I need your touch, need your help, God. I'm depending on you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, you're wonderful, Lord. You are mighty, God. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Praise God, and you may be seated. Amen. If we go back further in Scripture, the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 6, and chapter number 7, we find a time where Syria has besieged Samaria, and because of it, there was a great famine. Amen. You say, how big was the famine? Well, this is how big it was. A donkey's head was selling for 80 pieces of silver. Amen. Not to mount on the wall, but to eat. I've been hungry before, but I ain't never been hungry enough to eat a donkey head. Amen. I have been around some folks that cooked moose heads, and they thought it was a delicacy, but I didn't eat that either. Amen. But uh, Dove's Dung was selling for five pieces of silver. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's hungry. That's very hungry. Amen. When Dove's Dung looks like something that is worth five pieces of silver. Amen. We find, amen, one of the most horrible stories in the Word of God. Amen. Where two mothers with newborn children, with young children, amen, got together. They were starving. And they said, hey, today let's cook your son. Amen. We'll eat him. Tomorrow we'll cook mine. And though they cook the first one and they eat this child, amen, the next day the other mother hides her child. And that first mother is angry. Amen. And she's mad. And so she goes to the king. She's not mad and hurt because she killed her child. But she's mad because the other one hid hers. I'm going to tell you something. That's a deplorable place to be in. Amen. When you're willing to eat your own children. Amen. What a terrible place to be at. Amen. They were so hungry. Amen. Everything was shut up. And they had no food. Hallelujah. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 3 says, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. We can sit here, but we're just going to die. We can go back where we came from, but we're just going to die. Now therefore come, and let us fall under the hosts of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they arose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. men that said why sit we here until we die amen why sit we here amen we got no food here we've got nothing to maintain life here amen if we sit here we're gonna die we can backslide and go backwards back into the city but they got no food there either and we will but die let us go to the camp of the Syrians. We know they have food. We know they have sustenance. We know they have enough. And maybe they'll give us something. But if they kill us, we will but die. Yeah. 
We're going to die anyways. And the last verse said, and they rose up. Because it's not enough to have the realization that if I sit here, I'm going to die. If I sit here long enough, I'm going to die. I'm faithful to the house of God. But if I just sit here long enough, I'll die right where I sit. And if I go backwards, I'll surely die. But somewhere, I got to make up in my mind that I'm going to take action. I can't just sit here any longer, but there's action required. I've got to get up. I've got to get up. I've got to do something. Oh, we get so comfortable. We come on schedule. We lift our hands at the right time. We sing at the right time, but you can die where you sit. There's action required. There's a chance at life, but you're not going to find it sitting still. You're not going to find it going backwards. Hey, man, there's a chance in life, but you got to take a chance if you want to put it that way. you got to take advantage of an opportunity that says I'm going to get up and go where I know there's life. I got to run to that place where I know there's an opportunity at life. Action is required. Action is required. Can I get comfortable? Hallelujah. I'm already sweating. Amen. Amen. They got there. They got to the camp and there was no one there. They came into an empty camp and they found some things. Hey man, they, they found some garments and they found some silver and they took that. They pulled up to a table that was already set with a meal already prepared and they began to eat. And I'm telling you something, I can't even imagine how good it tasted. And all of a sudden, they said, you know what? We do not well. We do not well. We're not doing right. What we're doing right now is good for our for us four. Hey man, but there's a whole city that's still shut up. There's a whole city that's dying. There's a whole city that's starving to death. And we have the answer. We have what they're longing for. We have what they need. Amen. We can't just sit here. But we got to go tell them. Amen. There's a chance of life. There's life. If you'll get up and come. There's life. If you'll get up from where you're at. And come to where there's life. But you got to take action. you got to take action. Amen. There was a prophet that prophesied tomorrow. You're going to be able to buy good food for next to nothing. Amen. The king scoffed him. Or the, I believe it was the one of the, not the king, I'm sorry. Was it the servant to the king, if I remember correctly. And he scoffed the man of God. 
But when word came to the city and they sent out someone to go make sure that they weren't leading them to a trap, but when they realized that it was an empty camp, amen, in the stampede, that doubter, that doubter, that scoffer, that mocker, amen, was trampled into the mud. And he never got to taste One more time, we've had the opportunity to pull up to the master's table. One more time, we've come into the master's house and we've sat down at his table and we have partaken. Amen. And it feels good. It tastes good. And it's right. But I'm telling you, there's an entire city. There's an entire city that's locked up. There's an entire city that's dying. There's an entire city that's starving. And it's time to take action. It's time to do something for the kingdom of God. We do not well if we just take it to ourselves. I feel good tonight. We do not well if we just take it to ourselves. When there's folks all around us that are dying headed towards a devil's hell. And we know where life is. We know where the answer is. We know where deliverance is. We know where the bread of life is. But action is required. That young man walked up to his father and he said, Dad, give me my inheritance. Give me my portion. You want my version of it? Dad, I'm sick of living under your rules. I'm tired of not being able to go do what I want to do. Give me my inheritance so I can go do what I want to do. And so as the father divided and gave him his portion, and the guy made some preparations and he went to a far country. Pastor Hilton already talked about tonight. He went by himself, by his own volition, to a far country. Amen. He walked away from the father's house. He went and spent everything he had on riotous living. Amen. He lived it up. He had the party. He lived the dream life. Amen. For a while. But I'm telling you something. Amen. He didn't have an endless supply of money. He didn't have an endless supply. And there came a day when he reached down. Amen. To buy the next round of drinks. Amen. To go purchase the next little round. Amen. There was nothing left. All of a sudden, he's friendless in a far country. And all of a sudden, famine comes. Uh Amazing how that works. Famine shows up, and he's starving. He's so hungry. Amen. He finds a man that has a help-wanted sign, and he goes to work feeding his swine. 
You got to understand something about that, folks. You got to understand the setting that Jesus is telling this parable. He's talking to Jews. Swine's an abomination unto them. And he's in with them and is so hungry that he would have filled his own belly with the husks that the pigs were eating. Not only is he there in the midst of an abomination, and he's feeding the abomination. He's so hungry, he'll eat their food. When all of a sudden, he came to himself. A realization struck, and he said, hey, how many of my father's servants have plenty to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father's house and say, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Just make me one of your hired servants. That was verse 19. But verse 20 comes in the first three words. And he arose and came to his father. Because it was one thing to come to himself. It was one thing to realize his need to go back to the father's house. It was one thing to realize that his answer wasn't going to be found in the pig pen. His answer wasn't going to be found in that far country. But the answer was going to be back at daddy's house. And I don't read anywhere in the parable, amen, where there was hesitation. But when he came to himself and he thought out exactly how he was going to do it, he put action behind his thoughts and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight am no more worthy to be called thy son. Amen. But his father wasn't hearing what he was saying. Amen. All he was sick is bad. This my son was lost, but he's come back home. My son messed up. He went out there. He blew everything I gave him, but he's home. He's home. He's come back. Amen. It's not time to put him down. It's time to kill the fatted calf. It's time to have a celebration. Amen. Because he was lost, but now is found. Because when a prodigal comes home, it's not time to pile on him. It's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate because he came to himself when there was still hope. He came to himself when life was still available. But action was required. Action was required. Action was required. It wasn't enough just to think it, but he had to get up. How many times did we hear, there's times you got to grab yourself by your own bootstraps. Stand yourself up. When you come to yourself, you got to pull yourself up from the muck and the mire of the pig pen. 
the aroma of the pig pen may still be on you. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're coming back with a repentant heart and you're coming back with a humble spirit, there's a father who will have compassion. Amen. He'll run and fall on your neck. Yeah, you'll come back not as a servant, but you come back as a son. There's action that is required. Action is required. In Luke chapter 15, also in verse 4, it says, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. But to find the one action is required. Action is required. Before there can be the rejoicing, before there's the Holy Ghost party, there has to be someone with some determination that says, I'm going to search until I find that lost sheep. Either what woman, verse 8, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. This parable has always struck something deep inside of me. A coin lost in the house. Wasn't lost out in the field. It was lost in the house. Hallelujah. Because see, you could be in this place tonight and be lost in the house. You say, oh, whatever. Well, let me tell you something. I'm 42 years old. I already said that. I was raised in church in my daddy's house. If you lived in daddy's house, then you was coming to church whether you wanted to or not. And I'm not proud of what I'm fixing to say, but it's the truth. That there was more than one time that this guy was lost in the house. And I can remember preaching coming forth about hell. I can remember preaching coming forth about judgment. That scared me so bad. Because I knew I was lost in the house. 
there's another aspect to this story that is very sobering to me. A coin is an inanimate object. It has no feelings. It doesn't even know that it's lost. The coin doesn't even know that it's lost. But when that woman began to count her coins, and she only came up to nine, and she no doubt recounted them again, and maybe again, and there was a realization dawned upon her that somewhere there was a lost coin. We don't find her going and sitting in a rocking chair and thinking, I wonder what happened to the coin. Maybe if I sit here long enough, the coin will just pop out of hiding and I'll find it. No. No. Because the coin doesn't have any feelings. The coin can't move. The coin does not know it's lost. In order to find the lost coin, there has to be somebody with a burden who's willing to get out a broom and begin to sweep and to clean. Amen. Until the coin is found. You better, my God, you better thank God for every time that that man stands behind the pulpit and gets out the broom and begins looking for a lost coin that's lost in the house. Oh, man, he came and stomped on my toes tonight. You better thank God for it. You don't want to be lost in the house. And there are times when we get so caught up in the cares and the circumstances of life and we get so caught up in life that we're not even realizing that we're getting cold in our spirit. We don't even realize that we're not where we need to be. It takes that anointed man of God to stand behind the pulpit and preach not to tickle itching ears. But to preach without fear, to preach with conviction. Amen. That the lost coin. No, I hate the percentages tell us that in this building tonight. There's probably somebody that's not where they need to be in God. A little cold in your spirit. But I'm faithful to the house of God. I, I applaud you for that. I really do. Amen. That is our obligation. I believe that with everything in me. It's our obligation to be in the house of God when the doors are open. Amen. Being faithful to the house of God is our obligation. But just coming to the house of God is not going to be enough. Just singing the songs ain't going to be enough. When your favorite song comes along to wave your hand a little bit, it's not going to be enough. Because if the word of God's coming forward and it's not striking us in our heart, if there's not something inside of us that's responding to the word of God, if there's something in us, amen, that's not sensitive to the voice of God, we'll be lost where we sit. And I ask you tonight, why sit you there till you die? 
Say, why aren't you preaching to sinners tonight? I ain't seen any. Well, because I'm preaching what God put on my heart. I don't feel like preaching a shout message right now. I don't even know if I feel like moving on because I'm feeling a burden right now. Amen. Amen. Maybe there's some realization dawning in someone's mind. Amen. You can remember back to a time when you were a little closer to God, when the fire was burning just a little hotter. Amen. The fire was consuming you. Amen. It wasn't hard to pray. It wasn't hard to lift your hands. It wasn't hard to lift your voice. Amen. It wasn't hard to respond. But now there's something, amen, it's a little more difficult. There's a little bit of fight to get your hands up. There's a little bit of fight, amen, to open your mouth and begin to praise him. It's become easy to kneel at our spot before church, amen, thinking about what we're doing tomorrow, thinking about what transpired through the day, amen, not using that time, amen, to clear our minds and get our heart prepared for what God has for us. We're becoming a coin lost in the house. I'm a coin lost in the house. Just a week or so ago, I felt a tremendous burden, amen, for my own family. And uh, it was church day. And as has happened many times, I don't say this for anybody to feel sorry for me. It's just the life of what we're living. But no one showed up for church. And we started songs and we sang and we praised God a little bit. And no one showed up. And when we sat down, I'm like, let's open our Bibles. Because God put a burden on me that day. I just had a gut feeling. Sorry if that's Finch saying that, but I had a feeling there that there wasn't going to be nobody there. And I preached to my children. My wife got to partake of it too. Amen. I preached to my children. I made them all read for me that day and I preached are you sure have you made your calling and election sure if the rapture took place right now would you be saved if the rapture took place if if the trumpet sounds right now are you sure are we positive without a doubt I know I'm ready. Because I want to tell you something. Because the way life has worked for them, I am more than just their father. I'm their pastor. As a father, I'm responsible for them. But as a pastor, I'm responsible for their souls. My father-in-law says it many times when he feels to preach something strong. He'll stand in the pulpit and he'll say, I'm going to tell you something tonight. 
I have no wife, I have no children, I have no friends in this place right now. I'm just your pastor. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not your pastor tonight. But I'm a preacher that's feeling something so strong in my heart. I feel something tugging down deep. And I'm going to ask you the same question. Are you sure? Are you sure? Is there confidence in your mind that you're ready? Are you confident if on your way home there should be some catastrophe take place and you never see tomorrow? Are you sure that in one moment of time you'll go from this life to being present with the Lord? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you? Are you ready? A preacher, not everything's been going the way I wanted it to go. Life has done some things to me. Yeah, I understand that. I've been there. I'll skip all the way to the end right now. Read my last scripture that I have in closing tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night. And said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if everything goes wrong, and that crop we're expecting does not take place, and we're in a dry time. There's no rain falling. There's no harvest growing. Pestilence has come. If my people, which are called by my name, number one, shall humble themselves. Action required. And pray. And seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Action required. If you think you can sit there in your sin and God's just going to come and stir you up and do everything for you, you are sadly mistaken. I've been working with an individual. And I got a little fed up one day. I said, let me tell you something. God is not a magic wand that you can just wave at all your problems and they're just going away. Because you got yourself there. Just because 
you came and asked God to forgive you and he's faithful and just to forgive does not mean that we don't have to live with some things but if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land but it didn't end there he said my eyes shall be open and mine ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place I'm reaching for somebody right now I'm reaching for somebody right now it's time to humble yourself it's time to pray it's time to seek his face but you also got to turn you got to make up your mind that I'm going to turn away amen from what's holding me back I'm going to turn away from what's kept me amen from feeling what I want to feel from having the joy and the peace and the strength of the Holy Ghost in my life if I will do those things he said I'll hear from heaven I will forgive your sin and heal your land. He said, my eyes are open. My ears are attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. He said, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Just like that prodigal son's father. I'm looking and I'm waiting. I'm feeding the fatted calf. We're ready for celebration. We're ready to have a party. But we're still waiting for someone to come to themselves and get up. We're still waiting for someone to realize that they're lost in the house. Action is required. Action is required. Can you stand with me tonight? Action is required. Action is required. Action is required. say something I don't say this to hurt my wife or offend my wife my wife backslid when she was a teenager and the day she came back to church she was sitting back a ways I don't remember how far back I've heard the story before and they were back there praying with her but she felt in her heart and she knew that if she was going to be restored she had to make it to the altar I remember how long it took, a couple hours. But finally, she made it to the altar. And when she got to the altar, amen, God refilled her with the Holy Ghost and saved her soul. I'm going to tell you something to get there. Action was required. 
could have stopped, I guess, in the first five minutes because that's where I feel right now. Why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? But Jerome, you can die sitting right on that corner of the front row. Because it's more than just coming. But we have to respond. The Kaiser, you can die sitting right on this corner of the same pew. I forget your name, buddy. Lance, Xander, that's right. But you can die sitting right there. Because at some point, there has to be something stir up inside of us that says, I got to do more than sit here. Because I'm going to die if I just sit here. Girls, you can die sitting right here on this front row. Raised in the house of God. And lost in the house. I know I've preached this here before, but I'm going to do it again. My great uncle lived for God for 50 years or longer and he walked out on God in his 70s and died outside of the ark of safety because he sat until he died he heard the same preaching Went to the same church as his brother, who was my grandfather. My grandfather died on Good Friday, 2017. That morning when he got up, on Friday, he went into his closet and he picked out his jacket. He picked out his shirt and he picked out his pants and his tie. He took him in the utility room and ironed them all up for church Sunday morning. Because on Friday morning, he was already preparing for Sunday morning church. When he was done, he had it all sitting there ready to go. And as his custom was, he went to the gym to work out. 82 years old. He finished a set of curls with the dumbbells and he put them down. And he grabbed his chest and landed on the floor already dead. Same church, same preaching, different response. My grandfather, the big macho man, competed in bodybuilding when he was out of church in his younger years. Worked out all my life. Biggest, toughest man that I ever met. But when the Word of God began to come forward, I don't really remember a service ever. He didn't look at granddad in tears. It began to flow down his face. As the word of God came and the response began to rise up out of the depths of his soul. I don't remember a hunting trip, a vacation, that granddad didn't take his Bible and open it up and begin to study the word of God. Why? Because he didn't want to sit until he but he lived his life on Friday getting ready for Sunday. Uncle Glennard, I don't remember him ever responding. 
I remember him sitting in the back with his arms crossed during the preaching. I remember him sliding further back and further back and further back and further back until he slid right out the door. 70, I want to say he was 78, I might be wrong on that, when he walked up to his pastor and handed him his church key. He said, I won't be back. And he turned and walked out the door and he never went back. He died sitting on a church pew. Lost in the house. Lost in the house. The rich man being in torment lifted up his eyes and beheld Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. He said, send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. And then he said, Abraham, send Lazarus back to my brothers. He said, no, they've got the, if I can put it this way, they've got the ministry. If they won't hear them, they won't hear one that rose from the dead. That rich man had everything. But at the end, he had nothing. And Lazarus, who had nothing, ended up with everything. The rich man, he said, send him back. Send him back. Because I don't want my brothers coming here. you tonight are you ready are you ready are you ready are you ready because if you're not actions required if you're not sure actions required sit you there till you die why sin lost in the house when there's life at the altar when there's hope at the altar hallelujah there's revival in the altar there's a amen there's restoration at the altar there's life there's power there's hope but it's at the altar You've got to get up. You've got to get up. You've got to take action. You've got to move. You've got to move. You've got to move. You've got to move. you got to move. Is there anyone tonight? that wants to make your calling and election sure. Is there anyone tonight that doesn't want to be lost in the house? Is there anyone that can be honest with yourself and say, I need a fresh touch. I'm not ready. Actions required. Actions required. If my people 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If you're in a dry place, if you're in a cold place, reach out to God, cry out to God, take some action. I don't want to be lost in the house. Actions required. Actions required. Come on, cry out to God. Cry out to God. God Lord I need you I need you